Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Petropolis, here with the only two twins that cry during the Titanic. I've never once cried during a movie. Ooh. Me Actually, that's or correct. That Yo, bad? Michael is Me a famously stone... You've never cried during a movie? No. Yo, who are you guys? Yeah. Yo, that's crazy stone cold. Yo, please. No feeling shit. Tweet at us a movie or TV show that made you cry so I could watch it and see if... Honestly, the closest I ever got is... You remember that movie, Warrior? Yo, I was going to say, how'd you yeah. not cry during that movie? Uh, real close. Ugh. <laughs> Man, I'm Warrior's a, a tearjerker. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other movies that kind of made me close to crying. I can't really think of any off the bat. Man. Anyway, I didn't uh, even come close in Marley and me. Don't even get me started with that movie. Or Click. People think Click is super sad. Click is sad. I mean, I didn't, it didn't make me cry. But I, I Marley mean, and me is I'm sure they, those two movies, though, are like nowhere near the top of the crying no, list. No, no, like, no, not no even close. Marley and me, people are like, oh, if you had a dog, you'd understand. I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't have a dog. You don't understand. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't cry. Maybe I would have. But, All right, well, uh, we'll try not to be as heartless and cold-blooded when we're analyzing fantasy football. Today, we're about to give you a key to success. We won't even tell you until we start. You guys ready to start? Always. Three, Always. two, one. The brand, the Brodo <laughs> Fantasy Football Podcast. The Brandesy Football Podcast. Yeah. Feeling all right. Feeling okay. I've been up high. I've been all the way. Tim's in Game of Thrones mode. He's saying Bran instead of Brodo. No, I put I put fantasy and Brodo together, and it I came out Bran to see. Game of Thrones. I was thinking Raisin. Yo, who wins? Who wins in Game of Thrones? Bran. You think Bran's the Night King? I think Bran. No, man. What's no. up with this? Yo, oh, by the way, oh wait, spoiler Bran's alert. Gonna... We'll be we'll talk about this. I'm gonna time it for one minute and thirty seconds. Bran Game of Thrones. Gonna... Skip ahead if you want if you don't want spoilers. Bran's gonna be the key to winning. Yeah, he's gonna control you know the what he White do? Walker dragon. He's gonna you think so. Oh, the White yeah. Walkers! I got thought of this right now. The White Walkers are about to win. Like they're about to kill John, Daenerys, Cersei, all of them. Bran's gonna go back in time and stop the White Walkers from ever being invented, and they're all just gonna disappear. Ooh. So, Jason, Jason, interesting. I have a, I have an alternate theory to that. I think you're right. Right up until, you know, he's not ready to be where he's at yet. That the, the Three Eyed Raven told him you're not ready yet. He's gonna go back and he's gonna try and get the Mad King. To use all of his fire on the White Walkers, but the Mad King's not going to know how to interpret the signs, and he's going to repeat, burn them all, burn them all, burn them all, and he's going to go mad, and it's going to set off the entire events, same way that Hodar shit. That's my theory. Wait, so I, think think the, I think the White Walkers... I think like the, the Hodor thing, but the Mad King, burn them all, burn them all, is going to be Bran, like, trying to tell him burn them You know, because in the, in the uh, Game of Thrones universe... That Did you would come be crazy. up with that yourself? I, I came up with it, by, but I watched a bunch of videos. <laughs> like, be, Yo, I've been obsessed with... <laughs> That'd be a dope fan theory. Alt-Shift-X. Nah, not the fan theories. Just, like, I know the I know how the books go. Like, I'm, I've never read a book, but I know everything about them because I watch all these, these, like, educational YouTube videos in my spare time. This is what I do in my spare time when fantasy football is not around. <laughs> I watch this stuff, but... I think the White Walkers take it, man. I'm, a, I'm, a, I think the whole thing is a big I mean, metaphor I'll, I'll for you, global you warming. You know, I beat you in bets basically every time, so I'll bet you the White Walkers don't win. I'll bet that ten bucks. 
Dad, look at this guy. Look, five. Five dollars? <laughs> like Coach Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, best friends. All right, we're back. Uh, the Game of Thrones talk is over. We hope you guys enjoyed that. For those of you who uh, skipped ahead. Coach um, Steve's from Big Mouth, Yeah, Mop, nothing ever way. happened. Oh, show. that's why you told the time. <laughs> the non-thronies to skip fast. Yes, yes. Because, yo, I don't want to give away any spoilers. There's nothing worse than a spoiler giver awayer. Yeah. Without saying anything. Huh? With no, just like... With no warning. Yeah, with no warning. Well, then it wouldn't be a spoiler. Dude. Exactly. Yo, I hate people like... Because I'm on... I got a Roku. So I'm going to have to watch this shit an hour later than everybody else. Are you not going to watch it here with us? <laughs> Every Sunday? Every Sunday, kid. It's a party. Uh, I don't know. We already established is that, is, this. Is, is, what? All the sons, all of the girlfriends, even our friends are coming over. No one ever told me this. Game of Thrones How did I not Sunday? know this? Oh, we thought it was just a known thing. What do you mean? We didn't do that ever before. Are you before. not supposed to watch Game of Thrones here? <laughs> what? <laughs> all right, we'll talk about this off air. But um, today we have some keys for you, as DJ Khaled would say. We got the keys, the keys, the keys. And that key is for the rookie draft. Because... All these fantasy analysts out here are going to spend all their time analyzing the rookies and how good they are. And they're going to tell you, oh, this guy is going to be great. And this guy is going to be great. But we're here to tell you, they don't know shit. Nobody knows shit. Because in fantasy football, at least, and no, no, now we're not talking about real life football. Let's separate this. In fantasy football, opportunity is king. Situation is king. It doesn't matter how good you are if you're in a shitty situation for a shitty proposition, you're going to have a shitty time. A guy like Alvin Kamara falls into the fourth, third round, right? A guy like Kareem Hunt, they fall into, he falls into the fifth round. But where they fell into in their draft slots made all the difference. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to say, what is the best spot for a rookie to fall into? Then, after they're drafted, we'll tell you all about the rookies and how good they are. And how they could fit the system. But before they're drafted, we're a fantasy show. We're not Mel Kuyper Jr. We're not going to waste time on that. We're not going to waste your time on that. Because at the end of the day, in fantasy, as crazy as this may sound, facts is facts. It does not matter. Yeah, we our rookie review show, one of our most popular shows of all time. Last year after the draft, I got to say, we're pretty spot on with a lot of it. I got to yeah, go back and listen to it. And I mean, Rojo, right away, we said league loser. I mean, I was on that bandwagon all... Rojo? Ronald Jones. Oh, okay. <laughs> we said to just disregard the quarterbacks, all that stuff. Mike Kosicki wasn't going to be useful. Yeah. I do want to caveat out one thing you said, right? You're, you're a little harsh sometimes. These people don't know shit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people know things. The point is just that it doesn't matter. No, I'm talking about the fantasy guys. I'm not talking about the NFL draft guys. No, I know. They know what they're talking about. Fantasy guys know stuff, too. But they don't know anything about who's going to be good next year yet. Exactly. None of them know. Yeah. Because it depends on on where they're at. We do a redraft, and in redraft, all we care about is this year. And right now, the rookies don't matter. It's not until they're on a team. Key reasons for our fantasy success is you don't love or hate players. You love or hate ADPs. I don't hate Corey Davis. It might come off that I absolutely hate Corey Davis. I just absolutely hate his ADP, and that's why I shit on him all the time. That's probably why we never really get burned with rookies either because we don't fall in love with the rookies before they're on a team. True. Besides that, yes, all of this, all of this is true, but at the same time, rookies make giant impacts every year, right? So it's not as if we're saying don't draft rookies. All we're saying is 
Know which ones to draft. Know which ones to draft, but you can't know which ones to draft yet. And if you're listening, and if you if you think you got the rookie running back that's going to be your sleeper, or if you're in a uh, if you're in a dynasty league and someone wants to draft before the actual NFL draft for what for whatever reason, no, no, you can't do that. Period. Dynasty is the only time where you probably should. Devi leagues as well are super intense. You want to look at the traits a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily. It's hard to see what a team is going to be in a few years. But redraft, this is the only year that matters, baby. That's right. So what we're going to do for you is we are going to talk about uh, what the best situation is to be in certain situations. So, uh, for wow, example. That made no sense. Explain better, please. <laughs> <laughs> for example, um, if you're a young quarterback, what is the best place for you to be at? If you're a young, in-between-tackle, bruising running back, where do you want to land? If you're a young dual threat running back, where's the best spot for you? If you're an outside receiver, a slot receiver, a tight end, what is the best spot for you to be in? Michael and Jason are going to For you shed- to maximize your rookie year fantasy points. That's right. And go. where should you be targeting some rookie targets no matter who gets drafted to that position? Yes. Right? All right. So let's start it off. Let's start with the ever most popular position in the world. Not the most popular fantasy position, but... We've seen rookie quarterbacks come out of nowhere and make an impact. Um, you you can even technically say that Patrick Mahomes was a rookie quarterback this year, even though it was his second year because it was his first year starting. Yeah. Um, we've seen it happen. It will happen again. It has happened before. So, Jason, the rookie quarterback class is not the best of quarterback classes. But if, let's say, you're Kyler Murray, what's the best place for you to land? Yeah, so... Uh, I'm not a big rookie quarterback guy in general, but Kyler Murray definitely offers the most upside of the quarterbacks, dual threat-wise, rookie year. So if I'm trying to choose what team I want him to be on, the obvious teams aren't very great. Arizona doesn't have many weapons outside of DJ. Denver is pretty gross. Um, The Giants are the Giants. The Dolphins are the worst team in the league, probably. Fitz is going to keep them a little relevant. I'm looking a little outside the box. I'm going to look at Cincy. Hmm. Uh, I want to look at a team where that might look to replace their quarterback soon. Maybe Cincy surprises. They have the 11th pick. They swap, jump up, get Dwayne Haskins, and have him sit behind Dalton for a few weeks if they're trying to look to the future because Dalton isn't getting any younger and the Bengals haven't really done much with them. If you look at the pieces there, if you're looking at a team with a rookie quarterback, you want strong options up the middle. Tyler Boyd is a very good slot receiver. He proved that last season. Uh, obviously, A.J. Green on the outside helps. That's a star-studded quarterback. I mean, wide receiver. And then if you look at the running side, Joe Mixon, I obviously think he's overrated, but the amount of work he's going to get will help any rookie quarterback. It's going to take the load off him. Giovanni Bernard's helpful in the passing game. And then if you look at their offensive line, it's not the worst in the league. Cordy, Cordy Glut, Cord Glenn. And, the left tackle. Yes. And Bill Price both had their worst seasons ever their first year in Cincy. Maybe they were just getting acclimated to a new system. If they improve, the offensive line will improve. But Cordy Glenn was never very good in Buffalo either. But that was like his, he had his worst season. Like he was serviceable. Right. That's true. So if they both even improve a little bit, their offensive line is going to get better. It, it's a good spot for a young quarterback to be. All right. So Cincinnati, Jason does go outside the box because they're not getting a young quarterback unless they're getting – Unless they are planning on trading up, but they're, there's no real talk 11th. about eleventh. Yeah, that's true. Dwayne Haskins is said to be the fourth quarterback on the board right now, which is a little bit of a of a surprise. Um, Kyler Murray, 
Daniel Jones has now moved into the second. And yeah, and then Drew Locke. Circles. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit it's it's a little insane to see that. But if you're the Cincy and you can draft a guy like Haskins, maybe you guys take the chance. It'd be a good spot. Michael, what do you think? Where's the best landing spot for a quarterback? For me, it's uh, Denver. Okay. I, I'm not agreeing with Jason here when it comes to that. Yuckers. I think Denver is a great place yeah, to I, land. I like Denver for they have. Yeah, I like it. They got Emmanuel Sanders, who's still a very solid wide receiver. He's one of the best fantasy wide receivers in the league last Coming year. Coming off an ACL. Healthy. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, a young young guy who showed signs last year. Cortland Sutton, who was a first-round pick, I believe, last year, mm-hmm. or second-round pick. He was. They're very high on him on the outside. So and he has some. They have some solid weapons there. I also just want to point out for those two guys, it may not sound like it because they had disappointing years. Rookie wide receivers are one of the more, one of the most difficult positions to succeed as a rookie. Second year receivers are usually where they break out. Um, same thing with corners. Rookie corners rarely have good seasons, but second year corners always break out. So just keep that in mind with the outside guys. It usually takes a little while for them to adjust. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, they have Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, uh, two very solid running backs in the backfield. So they're gonna have a good running back game. They're not gonna have to worry about like last year with Sam Darnold, who had to give it to Elijah McGuire half the season because Bilal Powell and company couldn't stay healthy. Uh, they have a strong defense, as always. The Broncos' defense is strong. Their offensive line was 17th last year in pass blocking, but Case Keenum does hold on to the ball a long time, which does not help. And now they got. Yes, they have Joe Flacco there, but obviously Joe Flacco is not the quarterback of the future in Denver. Uh, Rick Scandrello is running the offense now. He's been the QB coach in San Fran the last two seasons. You, we've in Fangio San Fran, and Scandrello. I mean, in San Fran, we saw what he was able to do with CJ Beathard. That's from that's from them. That's from the Broncos. Oh, Vic Fangio. Fangio. <laughs> yeah, Vic Fangio is their head coach. Goes well. See, I thought it was from like a movie. Yeah, hey, yeah, it's me, Vic Fangio and Scandrello. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Scandrello, you saw what he was able to do with C.J. Beathard, Nick Mullins. They were very serviceable. Even though the 49ers weren't good, they were not terrible. And it could have been a lot worse with the quarterbacks they had. And when Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, they were a much better team. So he's And he's a, he's a veteran guy who will be able to coach a young QB and Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco. So whoever the, if the Broncos start slow, the, the young quarterback might be able to start starting early on, uh, a la Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield last season, like week four after the Browns are scrumming up with Tyrod Taylor. So I like the landing spot for Denver. They have, they have a solid amount of weapons there. I like both those spots. I think I, I would, I think it's more realistic that Denver's the spot, but I think since he is an interesting one, because I think that, because you're looking for fantasy-wise, is there any quarterback besides Kyler Murray right now that would that would unseat Andy Dalton in game one? You never know. Maybe Haskins. Since he could get fed up, go 0-2, get fed up with Dalton and Bencher. Daniel I mean, Jones yeah. has rushing ability, so he could be like a dual threat guy. Baker Mayfield didn't start the season as the quarterback. Hmm. Okay. Makes sense. All right, so let's go to a quarterback's best friend. The dual threat running back out of the backfield. This is a guy who, if you're not familiar with the terminology, can not only run the ball, but can also catch the ball. Now, we're going to focus more on the swing out pass, kind of, because we're also going to do a, you know, a, a bruiser. But we want a combo man. All right? We want someone who could do both. So, Michael, let's start with you this time since we started with Jason last time. Who, what is your ideal landing spot if you're a dual threat running back? This might be a little surprising, but I'm going to say... No, just because of uh, opportunity, I, I'm saying. But uh, Kansas City. 
Hmm. They have Damian Williams. They have Carlos Hyde. But I know Jason is the number one D Will guy. So, but uh, I mean, if they could get a back, like they're not they're they're nice players, Damian Williams and Carlos Hyde, but they're not game changing players. I think everyone could agree with that. Like if Damian Williams was that great of a player, he would have got an opportunity earlier in his career, not just been like a a perennial backup. So if they get a guy kind of like a a Kareem Hunt, obviously not at that level. Kareem Hunt's shown that he's one of the best running backs in the league. But a guy who, when he's on the field, is basically a wild card. You don't know whether they're going to run or pass play action. They're able to pass block. If they could get a running back of that sort who's a dual threat in KC, I could see see him forcing himself onto the field uh, pretty often and becoming fantasy relevant. I think this is clearly the number one spot for a running back. And... I would be willing to bet a large amount of money that there is no possible way Kansas City walks out of that draft without a running back. I I would I would bet the house on it. I'm I have even. I ha- actually have the number one um, spot for a dual. <laughs> back, so. All right, Jason, what do you got? Like a, imagine a guy like Joshua Jacobs on the, agree on, on the Chiefs. What Montgomery too. That's a first round pick right away. Yeah, Montgomery too. They're Both those guys. A first round. I'm talking about a fantasy first round pick. Those no. guys are fantasy first you're round bugging. picks. Maybe second round pick if you're lucky, dude. What do you? No, if you insane. go into a situation, you're acting like they don't have D. Will and yo. They basically yo. If they take a a high pick on a rookie running back, they basically don't. I promise you. I promise you. All right, you know who has no um competition if you guys drafted this team, the Bucks. That's true. The Bucks are the number one answer here. Rojo, Bruce Arians, hey, Baba. Bruce Arians, you hear me talking about all the time, the coaches' guys, right? Coaches always like to have their guys. What did Bruce Arians do in Arizona? He got David Johnson, his Late. guy. Late. Late. Third round. He was a third-round pick, 80-something, first, I think. In his rookie year, he didn't start until the end of the year. He started five games, ended with 581 rushing yards, eight rushing touchdowns, 457 receiving yards, four touchdowns. Bruce Arians is a guy who will use running backs as a dual threat. He doesn't care about people being tired or their health he just wants to <laughs> use his best running back at all times we all know what he did the year after that 2118 yards and 20 touchdowns it's like unbelievable to even think about right now yeah that was a ridiculous season so and that was with a third round running back so we're looking at a team who doesn't really have a running back we have a new guy in not a guy who drafted ronald jones a guy who can probably see that peyton barber is not very good I'm telling you, the Bucks are going to take a running back in the third round, fourth round maybe, and that guy is going to be a league winner. I don't think that, I don't think that the Bucks go without drafting as well, a running back. That would be, do. that would be a superb landing spot. I think both of you guys. I think both of these landing spots are going to be landed in. I think I'd rather have back. the Buccaneers running back over any other one this season, in particular. Like I Barkley so last year, going to the Giants, we knew he'd be a first round pick. Yeah. Right now, if Josh Jacobs goes to the Ravens or something in the first round. Ravens? I don't know. I'm just saying. Right? The Ravens have met with a bunch of running yeah. backs. And then any other running back goes to the Buccaneers in the third round, I'm taking that guy earlier than Jacobs in fantasy. Without a f- shadow of a doubt. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. That's what, I'll wait. I'll Timmy, wait for him to win the job. Tim, I know they call you the hot take kid, but... The KC running back, rookie running back, is not going in the first round. That was Yo, nuts. let me tell you right now. All right, maybe I'll I'm a little ahead of my. Let me I'm a, a little <laughs> ahead of myself. If he gets named the starter in the Kansas City backfield after week three of the preseason, that's an entirely different caveat. He's not going GMBA. in first. Well, I'm assuming that he he beats out 
Damian Williams, who not for nothing has not been great in his career outside good. of that one. He was a good, good part-time player in Miami too. He just never got the work. Yeah, I'm not saying Damian. Yeah, Damian Williams is solid. He's just not like a game-changing running back. I don't. I don't believe in his talent the way you guys do. I guess. I just. I don't, don't know when when it was Williams and Drake in Miami that one year. We preferred Williams to the bunch, and he was doing well before he got hurt. He was getting more opportunity than Drake was. Well, he was doing well with the opportunity. Mm. Mm. I'm just not, I'm not a I'm not as a big a believer in this talent. He just when I watch him play, it doesn't stick out to me. He doesn't he doesn't wow me. He just he does what he can in the system. He he gets the most yards. Back. But if you can have him Hashtag in that system, backs don't matter. <laughs> um, all yeah. right. So now we have that dual threat running back. Not the the bruiser. We have we have him. We oh, got him. Yes, yes. We we know where we're going. Now what about the bruiser? Where do you want to go if you're a bruiser, Jay? So, scrolled through the NFL teams, <laughs> made sure I was thinking about all of them rather than just in my head, and I thought that a good spot for a running back to take advantage and run through the numbers would be in Houston. Uh, I think that would be a very good landing spot for a player who might not have. A passing prowess, but we'll be able to run the ball. Because if you look at what Lamar Miller's done the last three seasons for Houston, the answer is always not don't he doesn't really score touchdowns. That's what he and his attempts have gone down every year. In 2016, he had 268 attempts, five touchdowns. 2017, 238 attempts, three touchdowns. And then last year, 210 attempts. That's 58 less attempts than in 2016. They're giving him less work. He has never surpassed five rushing touchdowns. He's never really been involved in the passing game anyway. So they like to use their running back uh, just as a runner. And don't even get me started with Deontay Foreman. This guy's been talking about more than fucking Doriel Green Beckham. Like, these myths that people just want to happen. ASJ now that he's on the F- Patriots. Come on with this shit. Uh, Doriel Green Beckham, that's that's a nice one. Yeah. Uh, so, ASJ, ASJ, the Patriots might be a little something. No, come on. <laughs> so Deontay Foreman was never actually really that good. Let's throw that out there first. Yeah, I don't understand. Not like, like he lit the world on fire in the one game he played in his career. Yo, you got to be kidding me right now with your, with your nonsense. He was never that good. What do you mean never? He played like one game. Exactly. And then he goes and breaks his Achilles. Dude, what are you talking an about? An injury that players never come back from in the NFL. You can't break an Achilles. Whatever. Tears it. Tore it. <laughs> Not a doctor. So, and now people just think he's going to come and take Miller's job? No. I'm not concerned by it about Foreman in any way. I think Lamar Miller, uh, Houston, will probably be looking for a replacement, and if they could find a bruising back late, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a new running back in town in Houston. I'm going to say this. I like it. But you're ridiculous saying that Foreman was never good in, in the first place. It's not ridiculous. There's no way for you to know that. Do you have proof as to that he was good? No. All right, then. So, But you have no proof as he wasn't. I could pull up his numbers and explain to you that he wasn't good. You can just watch him and it, he wasn't. I like talk about I him like he's the next. Yeah, I liked what I saw. He, some shit. He had. He has. He's a very strong runner. He's no. a powerful runner. He's a one cut type of guy. I like his Fine. game. So then, now that he's done with, like he's the not bruising, done with. He's done with. He's not done like with. the bruising back that's gonna go to Houston. When are you gonna give up on Dante Foreman, bro? This Never. Dude, he was a third round pick. First of all, like that's solid for running backs, but he has 326 yards on his career. Yo, and how many in how a many multitude games? Of injuries. On how many carries? How many yards per carry? 
His YPC is probably not that high. I bet you it is. Bet you it's over no. four. No, bet you it's over four. Over four isn't even imp- that impressive. It's for three point eight. Three point eight. <laughs> that's all right. That's about league average. Come on, man. he has eight receptions in his career. League average. You're I trying mean, to count on league average. The whole point like, is Lamar Miller's the definition of league average. No, nah. yeah. I mean Lamar Miller. It has does Tim, not have the ability sh- to run in between the tackles sh- like sh- that. Sh- shut your mouth. That's why they need a bruising back. <laughs> it's a good spot for Houston. <sighs> okay. Well, in Houston, the thing is that I do agree with you. It doesn't seem like it, but I still He's believe in Dante, Dante Foreman. Foreman guy. And I want to call him Dante. I want to be the only one that calls him Dante. And when I meet him, I'm going to say, yo, Dante. He's it might say, even yo, it's be Dante. Deontay. There's an apostrophe it's D. It's D. It's, yeah, it's Deontay it's Deontay. Foreman. And you call him Dunta, and it makes <laughs> no sense at all. Dante, whatever. I don't know, that's how I, uh, you know, that's how I do. Like, I know if I was a new listener and I heard someone say Dante Foreman, I'd be like, stop. Really? That's not true. Yeah. Nah. All right, I might be exaggerating a little bit. If that was like the first That's thing I heard, please don't, yeah, to like, please don't press stop. <laughs> like if I turn this on, it's like welcome to Bro Fans Podcast where we talk about Dante Foreman. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't <laughs> want to listen to a podcast that. Has Dante Foreman within the first ten minutes either? That that's the problem. <laughs> J- Michael, we're past the ten minute mark. Then, <laughs> Michael, um, what are we? Bruising backs. Bruising back. Uh, for me, it's Buffalo. I think Buffalo. I mean, that's the a real nice answer. Spot for a suck, suck it. Jason. Bruising back to play a ground and pound offense because of the weather there and just the grittiness overall of Bills football. Shady is old. Was basically a shell of himself last season. It's Thirty-one like he's now. Grow into like a, the old Shady again. They, yeah, they brought in Frank Gore, who who will steal some work. But name a veteran running back you'd rather have as a mentor than Shady. Oh wait, than Frank Gore. Oh. <laughs> like that guy's been through it. Shady is Shady, shady is too. I mean, bringing in a running back to learn from Frank Gore and Shady, who are like possibly both Hall of Famers, and maybe, possibly both AARP maybe members. fringe, but they might have both AARP members. It might. That's a. I mean, it's a solid environment to go into. I'm not a believer in Josh Allen, so I don't think the passing game is going to be super effective. I think they're going to need to run the ball. So, bruising back, landing in Buffalo might be a nice 20, 18 to 20 carries a game, some touchdowns in there, not a lot of passing work. But then you're assuming work, McCoy is done. I mean, McCoy was terrible last season. Yeah, I'm just, the Bills were too. I mean, maybe not right away when the season starts he'll take over, but I mean, once Buffalo starts losing games, because they always lose games... Get the get the young kids some work, kind of like what happened with Nick Chubb last season. Especially because Josh Allen can't throw. That is going to be a very run-oriented offense. I was just about to mention that. And Josh Allen's trash. Having a guy who can put it in between the tackles is going to be, it's going to be valuable there. Um, speaking of a guy who's going to be valuable in Buffalo, they could use wide receiver help. Maybe that's one of the guys that you were talking about. But outside wide receivers. We're talking about best landing spots. You think we're going to say Buffalo when we both think <laughs> No, Josh but Allen let me have a transition, all right? Best wide receivers, but we're going to go to the outside because, as we all know, this look, fantasy evolves, and we should evolve with it. Just like a Pikachu. Slot receiver is a different position than it was three years ago. It's his own position now. It's his own defined position. And there's good players at it that excel who aren't necessarily good outside receivers and vice versa. So we have to differentiate. So if you're a good outside receiver, Michael, where is your ideal landing spot? I'm trying to go to the world champion New England Patriots. Who just signed Demarius Demarius Thomas, correct? They met with him. They met with yeah, him. With him oh, okay, so it's I not mean, DT yet? is also he's okay. he's like Lashawn McCoy, he's just a shell of himself at this point. Sure. The Patriots, 
No more Josh Josh Gordon, obviously. No more Gronk left for retirement. Edelman's basically their only legit receiver. Sure, Philip Dorsett is there. We already discussed that. Whatever is Philip Dorsett. Yeah, they just signed Austin Safarian Jenkins, who people are going to now love for no reason. But none of those guys are dynamic outside receivers. And we've seen the Patriots win any way they can with the receivers they have. But their offense is always better when they have a dynamic outside receiver to throw to. Imagine DK Metcalf lining up on the outside, that athletic freak with Tom Brady throwing it to him. With, with the discipline. Julian Edelman across the field. and The discipline of that. Michelle and James White coming out of the backfield. Yeah, and DK Metcalf learning from basically the best environment possible to learn how to play football. If I'm a like a strong outside receiver and I'm landing in New England, I'm super excited about it. I I can't hard to argue. I'm gonna I I like your take on that one because everyone is boring and plain and just talks about how Hunter Renfro should go to the Patriots because he's a white slot because guy who's not very tall, small white guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna get to my team for outside wide receivers. I'm gonna go with the Packers, a team that is looking to rebound this season. They have a lot of young year. wide receivers already, though. A lot of young wide receivers who weren't. That impressive last season. I, a lot of did you read the Bleacher Report? Did you and, read the Bleacher Report story? And did you read it? And they're not Matt Lafleur's guys. That's true. I'm a believer in the coaches' guys. Matt Lafleur shows up. He sees MVS run some routes. Isn't very impressed. He likes his rookie wide receiver. He's gonna draft him instead. Because if you look at the team, you might think that they need a slot receiver. Because Randall Cobb left. Yada yada. But Devontae Adams' slot snaps, receptions, yards, and touchdowns have increased every year over his career. Last season, he had 36 targets out of the slot. He posted a 27, 317, and 3 line. That's, like, super efficient. So, and uh, Devontae Adams keeps going on Twitter talking about how he's increasing his uh, route tree and that Matt LaFleur is not going to be able be afraid to move him around. So, I expect Devontae Adams to be moving around. So, if I want a rookie receiver on the Packers, I want him on the outside. I want him catching bombs from Aaron Rodgers so that he could give me eight productive weeks. And if you look at Geronimo Allison in the first four weeks last season, he was a wide receiver three. He averaged around 75 yards and half a touchdown per game. So if we're, uh, if LaFleur gets his guy, wants him to uh, start for the Packers, A-Rod works him throughout the offseason. He ends up starting on the outside to start the year or maybe a little later because MVS or St. Brown or Allison aren't very impressive. It's a good spot for a receiver because Adams can't catch all the balls. Yeah, yeah, but I I do like uh, I like Equinemius St. Brown, man. If you guys have a chance, uh, watch the um, HBO Real Sports. I've seen it. The St. Brown family. Yeah, they're nuts. I'm not betting against that family. I think Equinemius has a good year this year. I think now that he has a new coach and <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers isn't going ape shit. It's, you know, we assume he's going to be less ape shit than he was last year. Did you Did you read the Beach Report story? No, you didn't read it. You got to read it, bro. Did you read it, Michael? No. You guys got to read it. How the Packers fell apart. You got to watch. You got to watch it. Yeah, but everyone's shitting on it and saying it's wrong. Yeah, well, Aaron is. People are coming yeah, out. one Jack person who looks like a No, a, a lot of his teammates are coming yeah. out. I'm Jeff Janis, a bunch of new teammates, a bunch of old teammates. I mean, Honestly, was, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is just. It was a bunch of old teammates in the article, though. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is This is definitely the case. Aaron Rodgers is just an asshole. Yeah. And some people are cool with it. They think that yeah, it's making them better. And other people just aren't cool with it and think. How am I going to improve? This guy's always an asshole. The problem is, though, in the article, it said he was an asshole to McCarthy and everything McCarthy would. He They said that Aaron Rodgers um, audibled out of a third of the plays last year. 
because McCarthy drew up Madden plays. Right, but that's what he thought. And that's the problem. He was defying the coach, even though the and and he was putting the rookies in a tough position because he would tell the rookie to make do a, uh to run a route, then the coach would tell him to run a route, and then the coach would yell at him when he got to the sideline. He said, hey, he's, he, but he can't say nothing because Aaron Rodgers knows if you rat him out, then you're on his bad side. It's a it's it's a tricky situation. You should read it anyway. I, I suggest everyone reads it. Yeah. Um. Well, what about a slot? Are you? Did you say your wide receiver, Michael? My slot receiver line. Yeah, slot, slot receiver is a. <laughs> Is Green Bay, folks. <laughs> Just, that's a smooth transition. Opposite spectrum of Jason here with the outsiders. Here. Listen, yeah, the Packers have, like Jason said, Devontae Adams and Co. Just and Co. Because it's just a bunch of, like like Jason said, a bunch of guys who aren't really, like, notable. Fulda Scantling, St. Brown, Javon Moore. All these guys were drafted late in drafts. Remember the name it's, Equinemius. But Probably they're not like Equinemius. Yeah, man. They, they just lost Randall Cobb. They have the shell of Jimmy Graham ghosting across the field once in a while, just randomly popping up. <laughs> in 2014, though, guys, don't forget Randall Cobb went on 91 receptions, 1,278 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Yeah. That did happen out of Doo-doo. the slot in Green Bay. Obviously slowed down since then. He's been uh, hurt and all that. Uh, apparently, the Packers have had a terrible offense under Mike McCarthy for years, as you were saying. Last year, that was clear, uh, clear and obvious. That's why he got fired. If they're able to find a slot receiver who could be a Randall Cobb-esque player from 2014, 2013, 2014, then he's going to be a fancy beast because he's going to get a ton of receptions. He's going to get a ton of yards, a ton of touchdowns. A-Rod has shown that he'll find a way to get the ball uh, to his playmakers. So I think if you're a slot receiver lining in Green Bay with Devontae Adams, sure, he'll steal some slot work from you. Sure, he'll line up on the outside a bunch. Even if you don't play 100% of the snaps, you have A-Rod throwing the ball to you. And the Packers' defense is never good. So there's going to be high-scoring bouts where you're going to be forced the ball often. So it's a great – a slot receiver landing in Green Bay is someone I'd be interested in. One place that I think would be a great landing spot for a tight end, which is the next uh, and last position we're going to look at, is Green Bay. I think that opposite of the ghost of Jimmy they Graham, never like you use said, their tight ends, though. Ever. They had, uh, like you said, like though, Jermichael Finley, but, Lee. Who's what's the first yo, name of that guy? Lee, that, yo, guy, yo, guy. What? It's a new, it's a new day. It's a new day. But they haven't had a, a good tight end life. basically since Jermichael Finley, right? But it's a new day. I know. And Lafleur used his tight ends very well last year. If you remember, Jano Smith had a three touchdown ago. game. Living good. So, anyway, tight ends. I mean, they didn't really use tight ends. I'm still on slot receiver, Mother Clucker. And it wouldn't be a Brodo episode unless I shit on Cordavis. No. Give <laughs> a nice plug to True Values. There it is. Come on, guys. Yahtzee. Think positive, man. Obviously, if you're looking for a good landing spot for a player, you're going to look at the quarterback's true throw values and see who has the most valuable throws. And one of those players is Andrew Luck. And when you're looking at Andrew Luck, who was 10th last season in true throw value, you also should consider that he was coming off an injury that a lot of people thought he couldn't even come back from. True. So he is a very good um, progression candidate this season to improve in his true throw value, which means his attempts are going to be even more valuable. So receivers aren't going to have to see that many targets to equate more targets from a worse quarterback. And the Colts do not have a slot wide receiver. The, the only person they've added is Devin Funches. Funches is certainly not a slot receiver. No. Uh, Funches is more of a... He's a definition of an outside receiver. He's more of a now Andrew Luck is going to have him and Ebron to decide who to throw a jump ball to type yeah. guy. 
or he'll get open down the field. He's definitely not a slot receiver. That's strong, what the Colts are missing. Strong, strong receiver, strong hands. If we look at Dontrell Lindemann and Ryan Grant, who both worked out of the slot last season, they both occasionally put up their PPR wide receiver three numbers. Grant was on waiver wires every once in a while. Together, they combined for 638 yards, 63 catches, and four touchdowns. Not amazing. Not terrible. But not terrible. So if you're looking at a rookie, those numbers, if they come a little later in the season after they get more acclimated to the offense, could be valuable because Inman and Grant uh, aren't there anymore. Pascal and Rodgers aren't the greatest young wide receiver duo. They mostly just replaced uh, Hilton whenever he got injured on the outside. I think there's room for some uh, love to be spread in Indianapolis, and I think that the slot receiver there is a good option. So true throw value added again. <clears throat> Andrew Luck is one of the better throw value quarterbacks, as Jason said. And we got Michael here as well. So uh, we got the tight end coming up. Michael, where's your favorite spot for tight ends? A lot of good tight ends in this draft. Let me stop. Yeah. Stop. That's right. I slammed the table because I'm angry. Because okay. rookie tight ends don't perform. Yes. What you're say? Fuck out of here with a lot of good tight ends in this draft. Rookie tight ends do not Perform. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't mean Fan Talkington or no. Smith. They're notorious yeah. slow starters. You do not want a rookie but tight end as your tight end on your fantasy team. That's that. I'm not saying that's that. You want him on your team, but there's a lot of good tight. The ends. answer to this question is no landing spot for 2019 for this season redraft. The answer is no landing spot. Even though Fanton Hawkinson are from Iowa, just like George No Kittle. landing no, spot? No landing spot. Come on, You do bro. not want a rookie tight end. When was the last time there was a good rookie tight end? For fantasy purposes. You're putting, uh, you're putting me on the spot here, but I'm sure I could find one. No. Yeah. I mean, but the tight end field sucks, dude. All you need is 500 yards and four touchdowns in your tight end 12, basically. So slow your roll a little yeah. bit. All right? If a team drafts Fant or Hawkinson... In the first 15 picks, they're obviously going to want to utilize him. I know last year Gesicki wasn't used, but that's because the Dolphins suck anyways. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be utilized right away. but just Gesicki, Andrews, out. Hurst, Goddard, Samuel. Oh, he was a running back. Ian Thomas, Chris Herndon. Those were the tight ends last year. I mean, Chris Herndon. He Herndon at the end of the season because he grew with a rookie quarterback. Goddard had some fair games. I'm not taking it. You don't want a rookie tight end. You're starting but none of those had the opportunity. The answer is nothing. Besides Gasicki, who I mean, I, I, have, I have a location, and it also has to do with a player that sucks. All I'll right. explain when it's my turn. I'll go then. It was your turn. Is it my turn? I'll go. The Raiders. The Raiders are where All you right. want a tight end to land. Well, the that, Raiders. What, what is this? Dual personalities? What's going <laughs> on here? I have to answer, right? So let me answer. <laughs> I even wrote in bold, in parentheses, you don't want a rookie tight end, but the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders. The Raiders have made a lot of moves, right? They've added AB. Uh, they've added Tyrell Williams. They've added Isaiah Crowell. The only thing they didn't add is a tight end. And what happened was Jared Cook left. Jared Cook's 101 targets, 68 receptions, 896 yards, and six touchdowns out the window. Peace. And I have a motto when it comes to bad quarterbacks. My motto is that bad quarterbacks throw to tight ends. Makes sense. It's a fact. They can't make num- can't make throws outside the numbers consistently. That's fact. They can't throw their wide receivers open consistently. That's fact. So they often look to throw it to their safety blanket in the middle of the field. Word. That's their tight end. Preach. Derek Carr is a bad quarterback. True. Holla. He's going to throw to his tight end. 
Preach. He threw to his tight end 101 times last season. Say it. Tim, please. The Raiders' tight end depth chart right now is Lee Smith, Derek Carrier, and Luke Wilson. Chet. Derek AB Carrier and Tyrell Williams. in the squad. A.B. and Tyrell Williams are going to open up the middle of the field. Preach. This is where you want a rookie tight end. Skeet. Yo, should I, be your, should I be your hype man from now on? Black. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should be your hype man, though. Like, that, that was a really great job. Michael, you're just going to be I'll just do Michael now. No. I'll do Michael now, and then Michael will decide who the better one is. So <laughs> Michael seems to hate both of them. Yeah. All right, go. Michael, where's your best tight end landing spot? For me, it's uh, good old Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> it's a team that uses their tight ends. <laughs> I'm I done. Go. I just, go. I, I even yeah. paused for you. Yeah, go. It's a team that uses their tight ends often and often in the red zone as well, especially Skitsky. Tyler Eifert with the <laughs> double-digit touchdown seasons a few years back. But Tyler Eifert, as we all know, can never stay healthy. He's basically just a, a ghost. He's basically <gasps> Jimmy Graham. And CJ Uzoma is CJ Uzoma. He's not a... CJ? <laughs> Pissing me off. <laughs> He's not a playmaker. He's not a, a target on the field, really. He had some nice games because the... Uh, Bengals use their tight ends often, but he's not a guy that you want to use. If they get like a Hawkinson, Fant, Irv Smith, those one of those guys, and he's able to play every day, I think that we could finally have a rookie tight end putting up some numbers. I I think that there is room for rookie tight ends if the rookie tight end class is good. I mean, if you, these guys are supposed to be the cream of the crop, we haven't had a tight end class like this in a long time, so. I mean, Jimmy Graham had success as a rookie, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Antonio Gates had a success as a rookie. Ago. That's mad yeah. long ago. Now, but the but these are players that are you know. But like Zach above. Ertz hardly even played as a rookie. Well, he had what's like his name? Travis Kelsey Brett Selleck. didn't do much as a rookie. I I don't know. Can you look at Travis Kelsey's rookie numbers? I bet you he did do all right. I'm trying to find the best tight ends. Apparently, it's not something that's easily Googleable. No, yeah, you can't find that on Google. Uh. Anyway, so that is our best landing spots. Just in case you're joining us in between, which this is a podcast, so I don't know why you would be doing that, but I'm going to say this anyway. Um, remember, it doesn't matter which rookie is going where. It matters what the situation is. So it's rookie season in 2013. I'm not sure what happened, but he played in one game, no targets, no receptions or anything. What about his first season? And and then his first over the season, past 15 years... 862 and 5. See, yeah, there you go. Over the past 15 years, two rookie tight ends have produced more than 600 yards. Evan Ingram in 2017. And John Carlson in the Seahawks in 2008 with 627. In the last how many years? 15. 15. Where are you getting this from? ESPN. Oh. Man, it must be true then. I don't know. It doesn't sound right to me. No. Rookie tight ends don't perform. It's it's science. <laughs> Best <laughs> seasons by rookie tight ends. You ready for this? Mike Ditka, Jeremy Shockey in 02. Yeah, he had a good year. Let's go, Shockey. Keith Jackson, Charlie Young, John Mackey, Evan Ingram, Clam Cleland, Cam Cleland, Russ Francis, and Ken Dilger. You don't know who these people are. You don't know Ken Dilger? Because <laughs> rookie tight ends don't make an impact. Wow. You know, I'm learning something today, and you're now convincing me not to take rookie tight ends. Don't. <laughs> then why'd you let us draft Mike Kosicki in that uh, best ball draft last year? Uh, only because it was it was the last round. It was like the last yeah. round. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I mean, that's it for us this this week. Uh, we're going to ask some really questions, got. bro. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot about the questions. We said, I'm excited right we now. You said hello, Twitter. I'll ask the questions and answer them right away. Oh, no. Oh, what do you guys I say? I thought I earned that's this That's what job. he always does. <laughs> no. I want to read the questions. You Michael, you're the, the worst questions. question reader of all time, though. Well, I'm one of the best question readers in the world. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you doing it at Coach Steve intentionally? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, best friends. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let me uh, pull up these uh, these questions here. Here we go. All right. First question. Is Gurley's arthritis in his knee serious enough to avoid him with a top three pick? That's from at Nick underscore Nick. I honestly think that that's the number one question that you have to ask yourself going into into camp. And that's why you don't – that's why our advice is always draft at least after week three of the preseason, if you can, after week four. Our drafts always come like two, three days before the regular season begins. This – not, this is not only because our friends are the worst people to try and get together at the same time, but it's also because it makes sense. That's how you don't get draft. That's how you don't get beat by. I drafted Jarek McKinnon in the second round, and I it's because I drafted him and he got hurt in the second game of the preseason. Now my whole season's fucked, and that's just not a fun way to play. Um, it's just not. So that's something that you have to monitor. If you have to take the chance now, I'm gonna say take the chance on Todd Gurley. If you have to, but I mean, if you wait it out, see what you see, hear the reports, go with your gut. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm taking Barkley and Zeke over him easily. And then I'm okay with Kamara, McCaffrey, maybe. I don't know about McCaffrey. I might still go early. But it, it's about, it's about safety, really. Uh, and some players are just safe enough to take that gamble, even though you know that. If Gurley is Gurley, they're not going to produce the same numbers. But it's all about how risk-averse you are. Next question from Mark Hamlin at Mark Hamlin 1. Who can play themselves into the first round for the 2020 fantasy draft? Who do you think will drop out of the first round for the 2020 fantasy draft? Ooh, Who will play saucy. into it? I'll, I'll, follow, I'll answer that with our debate earlier. Either a Chiefs rookie running back slash Damian Williams or the Bucks rookie running back. Interesting. I mean, I, I'm... Juju, he's currently not in the first round, so I'd, I'd say Juju. Just off the top of my head, who else off the top of your head do you think could? Uh, Michael Williams, there? Mike Williams. No. Um, Mike will first round next year. Uh, oh, Tariq Cohen, I think if he he's never gonna get enough work. Has a great if he has a great Mark Ingram maybe depending on Chris how Godwin the employ him Nick Chubb depending on Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb for sure. Le'Veon Bell, if he plays like Le'Veon Bell, the fact I mean, that he's, he's not already a in the first round, round. Is strange. He's he's not really though. Ah, I mean, how about how about this? Kenyon Drake, dark horse. Kenyon Drake, dark horse. James Conner is he a first round pick right now? He's not. No. Connor's Devontae right. Freeman, if he bounces back, could be back in that conversation. Philip Lindsay, if he backs up two years, another year like he had last year. Who's gonna drop out? Honestly, say Derrick Henry. Uh, who's going to drop out of the first? Derrick Henry's not a first-round pick right now. No, he's, he's saying he could play into it if he gets the work that he oh, did at the oh, end of the yeah. season. He definitely can. Julio Jones. I'm just not a believer in Matt Ryan and new systems. Uh, I know they. Uh, he's worked with Steve Sarkeesian before, but he just his whole career, his first season with a new coach, is a, a little a little bit of a down season. This is easy. The answer is Joe Mixon. But Julio Jones is a beast. Joe Mixon's going in the first. Yeah, man. People Jeez. are taking Joe Mixon over Melgo. Bell, DJ. I think Saquon Barkley, as crazy as that sounds, I think that I'll, he's going to disappoint a lot of people this year. Uh, that, that's my feeling going early on because... I think he could be the DJ of last season? Yes. 
they're gonna they're gonna stack the box against that dude, bro. I don't know. Like, he's really good. Yeah, but Eli can't throw it past ten yards, bro. He can't. There's well, no stretch in the hopefully field. Hopefully, it's not Eli. I if it's not Eli, then I I reserve judgment. But it, Eli with Eli Manning at quarterback and Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard, two slot receivers, your number one receiver, and your number three receiver, your number three target is another tight end slash slot receiver in Evan Ingram. It's just gonna be slants all day. And there's not going to be any room for this second-year running back to shine. It's going to be a shame. But I, I really think that he's going to – he has a chance to really disappoint a lot of people this year. We'll see. And then uh, AJ last Green, one. if he gets if he gets yeah. hurt again, is definitely out. Yeah. Uh, DJ X Ruckus at Daniel R. Then a bunch of numbers. In the last pod, you had a good amount of disagreements with each other on some of the picks. It would be awesome to revisit, revisit those along with the most overrated and underrated fantasy duos there are. A lot packed into that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think one of the picks that I was talking about that I loved that Jason wasn't a fan of was Shady McCoy in the fifth round. Get the fuck out of here. I in think, the fifth round. Yeah, I think that if you can get Shady McCoy in the fifth round, you got to jump on that. You didn't get Tim, him what are you fifth? talking about? You got him in like the ninth. Oh, I mean the ninth round, excuse me. Yeah, you, you did get him in the ninth. I disagree completely. Definitely got to jump on that. Ninth Let's round. See. Some picks I didn't like from I'll Timmy. go over a few right now. Uh, Amari Cooper, second round. Nope. Yeah, that's disgusting. Absolutely not. Uh, the re- uh, and the reason well, that's not made by too, each other. He's, he's too inconsistent. Uh, he relied on like three 90-yard yak touchdowns to get all his numbers from the Cowboys last season. Kenny Galladay, third round. Corey Davis in the fourth round. No. Mike Williams in the fifth. A lot of these not people me. look at true values. Prescott's not that good. Stafford's not that high on it. Mariota certainly isn't. Even if they're going to see work, it's going to be hard to produce these round numbers with mm-hmm. these quarterbacks. Rashad Penny in the fifth round is someone that is boomer bust that I could. That's going to make or break some people. I could do without that one. Chris Carson had over like twelve hundred rushing yards last season. Yeah, people just passing him up. I mean, okay. they did spend the first round pick. What's something else? David Njoku. In the sixth round, I think that one of the bigger mistakes is going to be David Njoku getting drafted too high in a lot of these drafts. They give me O.J. Howard all day. Yeah, I mean, and also just think about the targets there. There's He's going to be the f- fourth option at best, fifth option at worst. I don't want the fifth option on a team. I, I could pass that. on D.J. Moore in the third. I like D.J. Moore this year. Allen Robinson in the fourth is a little high. That's very high. It is pretty high. Uh, There's a lot of shitty picks in this draft. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Godwin in the fourth is, uh, oof, it's a bit of a reach. I don't know if I'd go that. Really? High. I don't Chris know. Godwin. I love Chris Godwin. And Michael hates round. fun guys team. Godwin, Williams, Lockett, Tate, Sanders. No, what do you, you I love Sanders. Chris Godwin. I just don't like his ADP. Too there high. you go. Williams, Lockett. You don't like Tyler Lockett in the seventh. I'm telling you, Tyler Lockett is going to be a trash pick this season. I'm not looking. Well, I am looking forward to people You're wasting perfect picks on Tyler passer rating. It's like it's not going to repeat itself. Yeah. Doesn't need to. We're supposed to talk. Cooper about Cup in the fourth round, coming off an ACL, is a tough one. Um, he could do that if he's healthy. It's, when it's, he is healthy, coming off an ACL yeah. is a lot. It's a lot to ask of a person. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we just did say a lot of people. We, we did say a lot of people. So. We did say a lot of people. I mean, there's also a lot of time left, so like we reserve the right, just so you guys know, to change our minds about all of this going into draft season. I'm serious, like for real, like not the not the main stuff that we're talking about, like the places to draft, because that's what that's we mean that. But 
it, the only way to be a good fantasy player is to be able to switch. Like I remember when we were doing the live stream um, last year, and I all week had uh, just I made just the most ridiculous research about how Traquan Smith was going to go off for DFS and for fantasy teams in week 16 of the championship. And then Ted Ginn got activated 15 minutes before the game. Well, that wasn't week 16. That was week 16. No, you're bugging. I don't it was know about during that. our you live stream. You get the point of the... It was uh, during our live stream. You get the point of the story. And I switched it. I pivoted right away. I didn't even think about it. I didn't let the fact that I loved him and that I told everybody about him. And you have to be able to change with the news as it breaks. Yeah, for sure. Last year, I paid the price. John Kelly. I I put him in my waiver claim too early. I picked him up. They signed C.J. Anderson the next day. Right? I should have read the tea leaves. I should have dropped John Kelly for C.J. Anderson on the waiver wire. I didn't. I'm like, no, I'm sticking to my guns. They're not going to start a guy who just got off the waiver wire. No, they are. If they because st- that's what all the reports were saying. And they did and he you know the the rest of it is history and he won a lot of people fantasy championships. That he did. He would have won me one had I started him. Good old CJ Anderson. Always a favorite of mine. C- it's you have to be fluid in fantasy. It's just like balance. Um my uh my bro- my future um, brother-in-law, he's a movement specialist and he says balance is fluid. Um, as soon as you get comfortable with balance that's when you're going to lose balance there's never a comfort spot you're constantly working that's exactly what fantasy football is it is constantly fluid it's constantly moving and that is what we're going to leave you with life lessons jason apply that to me coach you can find me thinking about life that's where you can find me thinking about balance Uh, that was a bad joke. That was man. bad. I, 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 I had not, like I had something brewing up, I'm and, not and I was and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> People have to and hear that. That's what came out at Jason Petrop at I'm, Mike I'm underscore. I don't know Petrop. why anyone would have follow you, but there, there's a weird at Mike doing. underscore Petrop, uh, Petrop everywhere. I just got to say my name <clears throat> at Tim Petrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're frisky. feeling real, real, real frisky. Don't forget, you can find us all at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Also. You're- you could find us on YouTube, Brodo, uh, Brodo Fantasy, YouTube.com slash Brodo Fantasy, and BrodoFantasy.com for the True Values that Jason was talking about. And if you're new to the program, True Values is a proprietary stat that Jason himself invented. He gives you the value of a quarterback's throw. So, for example, a throw from Patrick Mahomes is worth more than a throw from Marcus Mariota. Basically so, double Josh Allen. So do you so that helps you value. All right, Corey Davis is getting ten targets a game, but those ten targets are worth and then you look at Mariota's true folk throw value. You don't even need to do that. I did the work for you. You just go to Corey Davis and the wide receivers. Well, there you go. <laughs> and you could look at the same thing for true targets. And there's value. point projections as well. So we got you covered. There you go. Um we used this um formula last year and it was ninety five percent efficient. That's a random number you just used. hundred and five percent efficient in our hearts. Basically, nine thousand percent of the time efficient. It works every time. Nine million percent. No, I, I mean if obviously hyperbolize. Look, look, pick a higher number than ninety-five. <laughs> nine million eight hundred and eighty thousand. No, listen, it works. 
And yeah. not nah, for real though. That's the moral. If, the moral story is If it was works. actually ninety five percent, we'd be like bringing in the dough. I should be creating stats for NASA. No projection system is that good, but <laughs> it's pretty. Damn Except good. this one. No, but for real though, look, we make it because it helps you figure out who to start sit, and everyone knows. Look, during the regular season, it's fast paced, it's pickups, it's all this. But at the end of the day, you win championships by picking the right wide receiver three and by picking the right flex. flex. You know what I mean? And that's what it helps you do. So check it out. BrotoFantasy.com and never is where the you find it. Early. Um, with that being said, that's it for us. Sign up. Later.